Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 59 in the series, Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 22nd of May, 2011, entitled, God, the Holy Spirit, Part 21. And the Bible reading is taken from Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 to 17. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. All right, I invite you to stand with us this morning to honor the reading of God's holy word, beginning in Romans chapter 8, in verse 1, reading down through verse 17. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Our God and our Father, we thank you so much, Lord. Lord, for this wonderful privilege that we have to gather together in your house today. Lord, that we, as we gather together here, that we can have that confidence of being able to come to you in prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thanking you that we can be called your children. Thanking you for your word that we have that we've just read from. Thanking you for that Holy Spirit that we've read about that lives and dwells within us. And Father, it's him that we depend upon today to speak to our every heart, to our every need. Lord, you know each individual. You know what the needs are here today. I would pray earnestly, Lord, that if there is anyone in our midst that has never truly been born again, this never truly, Lord, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work. I pray this morning that by the power of your spirit, you would speak to their hearts, you would show them their need, and Lord, that this day, that you would give them the faith, the courage, the strength they need to admit their sinfulness, to trust in Jesus Christ and his finished work. And Lord, for every believer here, I pray that you will take these words and encourage them today, that you will build them up, that you will strengthen them, Yes, Lord, that you would challenge us afresh. You know the need of every heart. You know each of your children better than we know ourselves. We just pray that you would accomplish that work that only you can. May man's work not be done here today, but may your work be accomplished and all the glory be yours. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. I never really thought when we 
began the series on the Holy Spirit, which is part of our contending for the faith. This is our 21st and God willing final sermon on the Holy Spirit today as we have tried to, to look at that matter. Never really dawned on me when I began that that I would get to end up with my favorite chapter in the Bible in Romans chapter 8. Uh, I should have. It should have dawned on me because uh, as we look at the book of Romans, the first seven chapters, God deals so much with salvation, with man's sinful state and what Jesus Christ has done and accomplished for us through his death and his shed blood. But in all of that, the Holy Spirit is only mentioned one time in the first seven chapters. But here in chapter 8, it's mentioned 19 times in that one chapter alone. As we look today, may I remind you as we've looked through this series that we had the promise of Jesus Christ himself as he himself was preparing to return to the Father. He promised to send us another person, another person of the Godhead, God, the Holy Spirit. And he was sending that person for a specific purpose, that purpose being the carrying on of the work of Jesus Christ, God the Son. God the Son went back to God the Father, and they sent God the Holy Spirit to be here to carry on that work on earth. While Christ was away with God the Father. In practice, we saw that this would take place beginning with conversion, that without the Holy Spirit, that is, is impossible for anyone to recognize their own lost condition. At conversion, that baptism of the Holy Spirit placing us into the body of Christ himself. His continuing work by filling us as we yield ourselves to him through the, the filling of the Holy Spirit. We saw that how through the work of God, through the work of God, the Holy Spirit, that the literal power of God himself could be manifest in the life of a believer, of a child of God. The presentation of that work being seen in many different ways in the believer's life, through boldness and witness, through holiness and living, through our praise and our worship and our thanksgiving and our submissiveness, through the fruit of the Spirit, through the gifts of the Spirit. We look today these final thoughts, I'd like to direct your attention to one other thought. Remember, 21 sermons, and we haven't even touched the surface, but we've tried to point out those important things that will give us, hopefully, a better understanding of Him and what He's doing. I want to speak to us today on this thought of the possession of the Holy Spirit the possession of the Holy Spirit. Now, I use that word in a twofold manner, really. How can you and I, as believers, know that we possess, that we have the Holy Spirit present in our life? And, of course, how can we know that He truly has possession of us? that he truly has all of us. Of course, in some ways, we've already discussed this, and there are certain many places that we could go in Scripture to look at it further. But as we turn our attention today to this passage in Romans chapter 8, I remind you that the one time that the Holy Spirit is mentioned in this book prior to this is Romans chapter 5. If you look back into Romans chapter 5, it's interesting, the first place that he mentions it, beginning in verse 1, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith 
into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Verse 5, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You see, he's speaking here very much of the justification that is, that is ours when we place our, fo- our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He says, we've got a hope of his glory. And that's because that he's given us this gift, this Holy Spirit that lives within us. And we find that as we direct our attention back to chapter 8, I want to, as we look at this passage this morning, this passage begins with, again, where the emphasis has been through most of the book of Romans, this declaration of the wonderful freedom that is ours in the Spirit. There is a stark contrast that is drawn between those who are walking after the flesh or in the flesh and those that are walking after the Spirit or in the Spirit, if you would. We have this wonderful promise, this glorious reality here that the chapter begins with, there is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus walking after the Spirit. We cannot. It would be impossible for me to overstate the importance of that matter, of that truth. No condemnation in Christ Jesus. No condemnation whatsoever And in this matter of possessing the Holy Spirit in our lives, there's only one place to begin in this matter of possessing the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit possessing us. The wonderful truth of walking in the Spirit and having no condemnation, it can only come from that one place. That's when you are in Christ. I would remind you of the truths that we looked at when we covered for some weeks the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And of course, one of those things that we mentioned then was the transforming of sinners. That it was only the Holy Spirit that could convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Jesus Christ, he paid the full price of redemption with his own blood. But then he sent the Holy Spirit to convict, to direct and draw men to his great need of redemption. That work of redemption, it must take place Only when drawn by the Holy Spirit and only then can the Holy Spirit take up residence within that believer's body. Notice what he says here in these first couple of verses. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we must first be set free from the law of sin and death. That can only happen through justification, being justified through the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to be set free because we are under the penalty of sin when that sin is in our life. That penalty must be paid. 
we find that the only way that we can enter that place of having no condemnation to be set free from the law of sin and death. He says in verse 3, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. The substitutionary death of Jesus Christ in our place. That's the only thing that makes it possible. There is nothing else in all of the world that can give you the standing that you need before a holy God except what Jesus accomplished for you. He says in verse 4 that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. We walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Only in Christ can that law of righteousness be fulfilled in us, he says here. Once our sins are forgiven, the Holy Spirit has taken possession of our lives. Only then in Christ can we walk after the Spirit rather than the flesh. You see, this transformation work must take place. As long as we are bound by sin, as long as we are bound by the penalties of sin, as long as we are bound by that flesh, we can't walk in the Spirit of God. We can only walk in the flesh. The work of Jesus Christ, when He came, He fulfilled the law. He met the demand that demand of death that must be paid for sin. He's the one that shed his blood. Why? Because that was the only way that we could be set free. The work of Jesus Christ sets us free. But we find here that in this passage that it's only, it's only when that work has taken place that then you can walk any other way except in the flesh. Man can try. Man can have the greatest intentions. Man can do great deeds. Man can do religious things. Man can give and help and do all the things that he possibly can. He could be the best neighbor that ever lived. But without the work of Christ being applied to his life, you see, everything that we've looked at concerning the Holy Spirit, it doesn't really matter if all it is is a bunch of facts that have gone into your head, it really makes no difference whatsoever. What we're talking about today in closing is the fact that we can know all of these things, but unless it is applied to our lives, it will accomplish nothing for you. We can know all about the Holy Spirit, but what we're seeing here in God's Word, what we're looking at in this chapter is that we ought to be applying this to our life. How can we know that He's there? How can we truly know that He has us and has control of our lives? We find that we need to recognize that you can't separate these things. It's vital for us to ask ourselves some questions. You know, if I ask you today, honestly, to look at your life, are you walking in the flesh or are you walking in the Spirit? Because the simple truth is only you can answer that. Now, I can tell you this, that if you are here and if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are walking in the flesh. We've just seen it is impossible to walk in the Spirit as long as you are bound by the law of sin and death that only Jesus Christ can set you free from. But what about if you're here today and you know that you've been set free? You know that. Well, we see one thing for certain. The Bible teaches if you've been set free, you don't have to worry about getting the Holy Spirit. If you've been set free, you have Him. 
a person and he's there and he's living and he's dwelling within you and he'll seal you until the day of redemption. But you do possess him if you're a child of God. So the real question is, does he really possess you? The lost people have no choice except to walk in the flesh. You know what? As a Christian, you can walk in the flesh or you can walk in the spirit. The truth is, God wants you to walk in the Spirit. And what we see in this passage is that, wow, life, walking in the Spirit, is something that should be exciting. It's something that each and every one of us should strive for. It's something that will make life truly worth living. When we begin to live in the Spirit, I can promise you this. Some things will change immediately. I mean the moment that the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. But some things are going to depend upon choices that you make. Some things are going to depend upon how much you're truly willing to yield yourself. You see, in fact, I've asked you this question before. Do you really want somebody else to have control of your life? It's not an easy thing to really completely, totally take your hands off. Say, God, it's all yours. It's easy to say, but it's not necessarily easy to do. The natural thing is we want to feel like we've got some control. We don't like to feel like that anybody else has complete control of us. Unfortunately, in our flesh, we don't even like to feel that way about God. My question to you this morning is, you know, where are you walking? Lost person, I hope. I hope that you can recognize that without the Lord Jesus Christ, there's only one walk that you can have in this life. And that walk of flesh can only take you one place. That's death. But there is another walk that through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that he sent coming and living in our lives, there's another walk. But if he comes in, if we're living life in the Spirit, and I say, first of all, that it's going to affect your whole resolve in life. You would your whole reason for living in the first place. Notice what he says here in the next two verses, in verses 5 and 6. He says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see, in verse 5, we can see this resolve in life, this whole reason for leaving changing. We see it in, the, in our attitude towards life. The unbeliever, the one without the Spirit, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. That's what they care about. They want the flesh to be happy. They want the flesh to feel good. They want the flesh to enjoy it itself in the flesh. That's your reason for living, to please self, to please the flesh. But there's a spiritual attitude there too. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Suddenly, rather than that selfish attitude, we have a spiritual attitude. We're more concerned about pleasing God than we are pleasing ourselves. That doesn't happen in the flesh. We need to recognize as long as we're in the flesh, we're going to be selfish, we're going to want to take care of self and please self and make self happy. But life in the Spirit, we begin to, suddenly it means more to us that He's happy, that He's pleased with whatever it is that's going on in our life. What did He say there in verse 6? Notice, for the unbeliever, for the one walking in the flesh, for to be carnally, same word as fleshly in the verse before, for to be carnally minded is death. You see, the Bible teaches us the way we live our life will earn us wages, the wages of sin 
is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here you see, we have an assurance. People go out and buy life insurance. Well, this is life assurance, praise God. You can be assured of life without the Spirit. There's only one thing. To be fleshly-minded, to be walking in the flesh, to be thinking in the flesh is death. That's the only place it can take us. But in the Spirit, when we're spiritually-minded instead, he says, but to be spiritually-minded is life and peace. What a choice. Life or death. Would you rather have life and peace or death? You see, life in the Spirit. It'll change your resolve. It'll change your reason for living. Instead of living for self, instead of living for what pleases the flesh, you begin to live for Him and for what pleases Him rather than you. Life in the Spirit. It not only affects your resolve in life, your reason for living, but it also affects your relationships in life. It does. Notice what he says here in verse 7 and 8. Because the carnal mind, there's that fleshly mind again, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You see, your relationship in life here is portrayed by what I simply call a spirit of anarchy. Enmity, a deep-seated mutual hatred. We see here a, a, a disorder, a, a lawlessness. As a matter of fact, you said he cannot even be subject to the law of God. The unbeliever has no choice except to be outside of God's law, not caring. That spirit of anarchy. But the child of God does have a choice. He doesn't have to follow those fleshly desires. Notice in verses 9 to 11, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Simple fact is this. As a child of God, there is no excuse. As a child of God, the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in you. No question about it. Matter of fact, he goes on to make that very clear. He says, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. This is not something that you go down one day and you say your little prayer and you get saved and you come back another time and you get the Holy Spirit in your life if you're good enough. You won't come down in the first place unless it's the Holy Spirit that brings you there. And when you get there, there is absolutely no way in the world that you can truly repent of your sins and turn to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and seek that forgiveness that only you can do from your heart, genuinely. Do you, do you want to be forgiven for your sin? Do you want to let go of that sin? Only the Holy Spirit can give you that desire to even want that. And he's teaching us right here that if that happens, you have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't belong to him. It's that simple. He says that we find that, verse 9, that he gives us that spirit of accord with God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of God, he is none of his. That can only come about. Notice what he says. That spirit of accord with God and with ourselves. He says, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. 
But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, in other words, if you're a child of God, and he, if you are, he does live there. Well, if he's living there, if he's dwelling there, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body, make your dead body alive by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. You see, without the Holy Spirit in our lives, we have a spirit of anarchy against God, disorder, lawlessness. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, when our life is one that's being lived in the Spirit, there is a spirit of accord then, in accord with God and accord with ourselves that can only come through that walk. We're going to skip a couple of verses. Go down to verse 14. Notice how it changes this relationship. <laughs> he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For if ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Life in the Spirit. We've seen that it will affect your relationships, that it will affect these relationships, that without that Spirit, there's going to be a spirit of anarchy, but only through the Spirit, that Spirit of accord can come, but here, it's that spirit of adoption. Notice in verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now notice in verse 15, he says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. He's saying, okay, Life in the Spirit. You're a son of God. You have the spirit of adoption. Notice what he says in verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, that's a, that's a different word, the children of God there in verse 16 from verse 14 where you're called the son of God. Because the word that's used there in verse 16 is speaking of one that is born. <laughs> Not naturally, in this case, but spiritually. So he's giving us different pictures of this relationship of being a child of God, of being God's son, of being adopted into God's family, of being born, one born into God's family as his child. And notice also in verse 17, and if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs, Jesus Christ himself. You see, our relationship has changed drastically with God. It's changed tremendously. When we were at one time at enmity, we were his enemy. We were completely shut off from him. But through the Holy Spirit, we came into a spirit of accord, a spirit of oneness, and we're brought into a spirit of Adoption, being his child, being part of his family. You see, he's showing us just how close that this relationship comes when we're living life in the Spirit. That's impossible in the flesh. Life in the flesh, in the first place, if you're a sinner, you're not a child of God. How many? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you ever, when you were a child, of course, how many of you ever disobeyed your parents? Somebody's on. <laughs> whoever, whoever disobeyed them to the point that, oh, man, you didn't want to face them. <laughs> you know, some of those things, you know, I mean, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I knew I was going to get caught. 
Sometimes maybe mom caught me and she, you know, wait till your dad gets home, you know, deals with this. But there was those times, see, the fact is, is I never quit being my parents' child. Boy, there was times when I, I didn't really, I would, seeing them wasn't the most exciting thing for me because I knew I'd messed up. <laughs> I knew that I was going to have to deal with it. You recognize that as Christians, sometimes we can very much be in that place. If God has come in and saved your soul by his grace, and you have been born into his family, you've been adopted into his family, you can only love him because he first loved you. You can only have that choice in the first place because he first chose you. The simple truth is, once you're part of his family, he's giving you all these pictures here of how you are his child and that you are his heir and that you're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And so you'll never lose that. But as a child of God, your walk starts getting out of the Spirit and back into the flesh. Sure can mess up your fellowship with him. Sure can mess up your peace. Sure can mess up your relationship, even though that you know he still loves you. You know you're still his child. There can be those times when you don't really want to be with him. You don't really want to face him. Things, you know, did you ever have a situation where that you, you and your mom and dad actually maybe even shouted at each other? I mean, you got angry with each other? Well, God doesn't lose his temper like we do. But I'm saying that many times... We can have all kinds of emotional things, things that come in that, that disrupt that fellowship, that closeness that we ought to have. He's always there waiting. Sometimes we're in the flesh, not the Spirit. He's showing us here what life in the Spirit should be like for us, what those relationships should be like, the way that it changes our relationship with God, with ourselves, and with those around us. I want us to back up now to verses 12 and 13 for our final point. You see, life in the Spirit, it will affect your resolve, your reason for living. Life in the Spirit, you're no longer living for self, for self-gratification, for what pleases the flesh, but you're living for Him. Rather than that selfish attitude, You'll have a spiritual attitude. It'll be far, far more important to you, whether what you're saying, what you're doing, what you're thinking, where you're going, whether it's pleasing Him and whether it's doing something to make you feel good. It'll also have an effect on your relationships in life. Rather than trying to avoid God's law, rather than having these things between you, once you come into Him and you're walking in the Spirit, you're living life in the Spirit, then there is a spirit of accord between you and God. And there's that spirit of father and son. Abba was the term of endearment. You know, different languages have different things. But it was the, it was the term that those little Jewish kids would use when dad would come in from work. And, you know, in, 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 some, in some families it might be daddy or it might be papa or it might be, you know, Whatever, but it's, it's, it's what when, when daddy come home, they're so excited and they're standing there with outstretched arms, daddy, daddy, daddy. He's saying that, and we'll be excited. We could cry, Abba, Father, you're here. <laughs> that relationship, and that's hard for us to grasp a lot of times because I, 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 even, I even heard it on on one of the news programs this week, and somebody was talking to somebody else, and they're talking about the, the man upstairs and this type of thing. God doesn't deserve our disrespect. And we shouldn't take this as a term of disrespect, but he's trying to show us that we can have that excitement, that relationship, that excitement of, of, of a child when, when their father's coming in and they haven't seen him and he's there, that nearness. That's the kind of relationship that we can have in the Spirit. But it also does one other thing. It'll affect your 
responsibilities in life as well. Life in the Spirit will affect your responsibilities. It'll have a great impact on your responsibilities, your debts, what you feel allegiance to, on the kind of things that will bring some manner of satisfaction to your life. You see, notice he says here, first of all, he says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. In the flesh, your responsibility, your debt, your allegiance is to the flesh. You will seek to fulfill the desires of the flesh. You will seek to do those things that will make your flesh feel good. As believers, with life in the Spirit, he says here, we have no debts to the flesh whatsoever. There is no responsibility to satisfy those fleshly desires, those fleshly lusts, those fleshly wants. No responsibility, no debt whatsoever. Because living after the flesh, if your responsibilities, if you're living to please the flesh, there is only death at the end. But as a child of God, our responsibility is not to self, but it's to the sovereign. It's to God himself. Our responsibilities change. Rather than seeking to satisfy the flesh, our responsibility is God. Notice what he says here. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Wow. Your responsibility is now to God to mortify, to kill. To make it dead. To make dead the deeds of the body, the actions, the lusts, the passions. In other words, our responsibility now is not to fulfill those fleshly lusts and desires when they come. It's to kill them. It's to put them down. It's to put them to death. But that can only happen in the spirit. You can't do that in the flesh. Do you realize? In the flesh, without the Holy Spirit, you have no power over that flesh. Your flesh will get to, through to you sooner or later. Only in the Spirit. Because the power of God. He says, those fleshly lusts, those fleshly passions, those fleshly desires, those actions of the flesh, they can be put to death. They can be put down. When you're walking in the Spirit, you say, Preacher, I struggle there. Because you're struggling in the flesh. We would all like to think that we're so spiritual that we never, ever give our flesh an inch. Unfortunately, that's not true. There's a battle. There's a war. There's one that's out to destroy you. There's one out there that he knows your weak spot too. He knows all of our weak spots. He won't give up. He's going to keep on and on and on. Our responsibility is to God through the Spirit, by His power, by His mind. That's why we need to continually, it's so vital, it's so important. You can be a Christian and not be filled with the Spirit. But you need to be a Christian that is filled with the Spirit. You can be a child of God and go to heaven one day and still fight these struggles every day of your life. But he's showing us here that there's a place. The Holy Spirit lives within you. He is there if we will truly give him our lives, truly let him have control, then we can. We can overcome the flesh. We need to be continually filled. We need his control. We need his power. 
Because there is a relentless war that is going on with sin for each and every one of us. And it's real. And we don't have the strength. We don't have the power. Why? Why do so many Christians fall along the way? Why do they trip up? Because of the flesh. They may have all the best intentions in the world. We can't fight the enemy in ourselves. We have the Holy Spirit if we're a child of God. Does he have us? We've seen so many reasons why the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is so very important to our faith. Why it's so important to our individual lives. I give you this in conclusion. I'm not ashamed to say that it is fundamental to our faith that we understand that Jesus Christ himself, he fulfilled his promise to send the person of the Holy Spirit, to send God the Holy Spirit for the specific purpose of carrying on the work of Christ through his church. Now, I say this with the greatest respect. The Holy Spirit is not here to entertain you. The Holy Spirit is not here to make you feel good. The Holy Spirit is here to carry on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ himself can be seen in your life, that he can be seen in this church, that he can be seen through us, that his work can and does take place, just as sure as if he were walking here in his own flesh himself, as he works through you, as he works through his church. You see... You've never responded to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That first work of bringing you to the Savior. You've never come to that point that you've genuinely repented and turned from your sin and sought that forgiveness and followed Christ. And above everything else, nothing else really matters until you deal with that. That is the greatest need in your life. I don't care what else seems important out there. Nothing is more important than that. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what next week holds. It's not worth procrastinating. It's not worth thinking that I'll sort it out someday. It's worth dealing with today. Maybe you're here and you need to respond to the call of the Holy Spirit on your life right now. You need to admit that you're a sinner. You need to admit that the only way that that sin can be forgiven is because one day Jesus Christ himself took on your sin and he died up on that cross and he shed his blood to pay for your sin so that you wouldn't have to die so that he could give you life and give it to you everlasting today. Nobody else can do that for you. That's fundamental. You take it away, you don't even have our Christian faith anymore. There is no room for differences of opinion. Those are the things that are extremely important. It's important that we understand the, the practice of the Holy Spirit and His baptizing us into the body and His filling us. The importance of our yielding ourselves to Him. His power, the very power of God working through the believer. As we see the presentation of the Holy Spirit so many ways, but in the end, always coming back to the fact of Christ being manifest, of Christ being seen, of Christ working through your life and my life and the life of the believers. Christ doing his work through his church. That church is not this building. His people. He's building his church with people, with you today. You're a child of God. It'll be seen. Our witness, our holy living, all those things that we mentioned. But may I just remind you this. 
It's not enough just to know about the Holy Spirit. It's not enough just to know all that he does. As we come to a close in this series, it is the possession of the Holy Spirit that is essential. It's essential that you personally possess him in your life because if you don't, you don't belong to God. It's vital. We find that it's also important, Christian, that he possess you. Are you living your life today in the Spirit? Are you living life in the Spirit? Or are you living life in the flesh? Lost person? Only Jesus can change your direction. Christian, maybe today, maybe there's something in your life you need to let go of. You need to come to him. You need to recommit yourself. You need to quit trying to fight the battle in the flesh and do it in the spirit. Maybe today, maybe what he's really wanting is just to have control of your life, to fill you to empower you, to use you. That those people that you'll be at work with tomorrow and those people that you're going to meet in your walks of life, that they'll see Jesus in you because that's what will change their lives. Not all the good you can do for them, but the Christ that they can see through you. Father, we thank you for our time this morning. Lord, we thank you for both the challenge and the excitement of seeing what can be ours we have a life in the Spirit. The importance, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sending your Spirit to give us the strength that we need. And Father, we know that we fail you miserably, but I pray today that through these simple verses of Scripture that you will speak to our hearts, that you will both challenge us and encourage us, that we can be a people today that leave here, not living life in the flesh, but living life in the Spirit. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.